It's the Americhips with Kim Monson. Now, while this is all going on, I went through President Trump's speech and uh, Chuck and Nancy's rebuttal. The most important story. The American people finally said enough, and that is why they elected Donald Trump. The latest in politics and world affairs. Britain's version of Medicare for All is struggling with long waits for care. And opinions and ideas that prepare you to tackle the day ahead. Because ideas matter. It's the Americhicks. Dissecting issues as right versus wrong instead of right versus left. Agree or disagree, let's have a conversation. Indeed, let's have a conversation. Welcome to the Americhicks with Kim Munson. And uh, we're going to have some very important conversations today. Uh, In the first segment, we'll go through some headlines. And in the second segment, Rose Puglisi, who is one of the uh, brain people behind the national popular vote, getting that on the ballot, is going to join us and give us an update on that. And thrilled to have in studio with me my guest, Dude, and that is Rick Turnquist. Hi, Kim. Good morning. Thank you so much for uh, having me on the show today. Well, it's great to have you. What are we going to talk about today? Well, today we're going to talk about the Taxpayer Bill of Rights, or TABOR, and uh, why it's so important uh, for Colorado. Uh, we're the only state that has a TABOR-like amendment, and it really has made a difference in, uh, you know, Restraining the growth of government, but I will say that in in course of writing this piece that I that we've published on your blog, um, I discovered that Colorado state budgets have grown substantially in the years since Tabor was passed, even with Tabor in place. So it's really important that we preserve and and keep Tabor intact. And there's going to be an all out assault on it. Actually, this particular uh, election in November, there's Proposition CC, which there's three components of Tabor. Uh, one of them is is a, a any of the uh, revenue above a very generous formula of population plus inflation. That's right. Anything above that, if government wants to keep that money, they just have to ask us. And they're going to put on the ballot that they don't have to ever ask us again. That's right. And, and you know, there's with the uh, with the progressive control of our straight state government. And when I say progressive, I, I you know, that's what they call themselves. I, I view them as actually regressives. But uh, they... There just isn't enough money for all of the government programs they want to offer because they think government should do everything and be involved in every aspect of our lives. And uh, It's unsustainable. It, it, it really isn't. And we, when I've looked at the growth of the state government over the years and where we're spending money, it's just uh, crazy some of the things that are in the budget and, and uh, you know how much it's grown. And fully th- two-thirds of our state budget is, appropriations are supported by uh, uh, income taxes or the general fund uh, revenues are – are from income taxes, and they want to raise those even more. And over the years, Colorado voters, voters have consistently said no to tax increases um, um, that have been put on the ballot because of Tabor. Well, it's an important conversation, and we will be having that in segments three and four. That is Rick Turnquist. And be sure and check out my website, americhicks.com. Uh, your um, most recent uh, publication is there. It's excellent. And be sure and go and take a look at that. Before we jump into all of this, though, you know, remember, as we're looking at these different issues, it's freedom versus force, force versus freedom. Socialism is not social. Socialism ultimately has to get down to force. It is never compassionate to take other people's rights, property, or freedom via force, whether it's with a weapon policy or unpredictable and excessive taxation. But we're seeing a consistent move towards the socialization of transportation, education, energy, housing, and water. And uh, so we need to uh, survey show that actually people like freedom. And so that's what we need to continue to, to work towards. 
want to say thank you. Thank you to producer Steve, to Zach, Patty, Keith, and Charlie. And, and uh, you said the music today, the bumper music is going to be interesting. We don't know what Charlie has planned exactly, right, Steve? Well, I went ahead and did a sneak preview, and now I'm kind of confused because, again, he sent me a text at midnight saying the bumper music was all tied to, uh, you know, the 50th anniversary of landing on the moon. But I'm looking at it, and I'm, I'm not getting it. So okay, we'll, 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 we'll have to what, see if we get it then. See what you think. <clears throat> hey, uh, you always thank us. I want to thank you Aww. for what Rick just said. You know, so, so the caliber of the guests, I guess, is where I'm going with this. What you just said, progre- the title progressive is really a misnomer. And, you know, it isn't anything but progressive. And I, I think that's a great <coughs> distinction. I hope the listeners caught on. Okay. Well, good job on that, Rick. And uh, thank you to you listeners. Each one of you are valued. You're treasured. You have a purpose. And go out there and do that today. So with that, we'll move right into our inspiration since the British Open is being played. <clears throat> Tiger Woods, you know, one of probably maybe the greatest uh, golfer out there. He said, it's okay to fail. Failing does not shape your personality. It's how you react upon your failure. Do you dust yourself off and or do you uh, and or do you hold on? Do you dust yourself off and come back stronger or do you mope around the neck and um, hold on? I I, got to do this again. Do you dust yourself off and mope or do you dust yourself off and come back stronger the next time? Eventually you will win. It may not happen the next time. It may take a little time, but you will win in the end. I'm going to try that one more time. It's okay to fail. Failing does not shape your personality. It's how you react upon your failure. Do you dust yourself off and mope, or do you dust yourself off and come back stronger the next time? Eventually, you will win. It may not happen the next time, but it may take a little time, but you will win in the end. And that's Tiger Woods. And for our funnies, Steve actually has a contribution. We all know that uh, traffic is getting (laughs) nothing but worse. And that's a whole subject unto itself. But there was an incident the other night on I-25, and it didn't even make the news. What was it? A semi-truck loaded with Vicks VapoRub rolled over on I-25. Really? And there was no congestion for eight hours. (laughs) (laughs) Well done. Well done. So we're going to jump into just three headlines that I want to just highlight very quickly. The first, and we, we've had so many things we need to talk about, and we've, we've talked about talking about this for several days, but this is by John Caldera in Complete Colorado, and be sure and check out Complete Colorado. They aggregate uh, from all the news sources here in Colorado to bring you news so that you're on top of what's happening in the state, and then also if you click on their banner... Uh, you can go to uh, original pieces, and so and that is up there on page two at the top of the complete Colorado. But he says the carbon capture doesn't fit in with Excel's double dipping energy plan. Take the much touted Colorado Energy Plan (CEP), which includes shutting down coal-fired power plants in Pueblo and re- replacing them with wind and solar power. Even the lingo is politically loaded virtue signaling. Excel Energy, which runs the Comanche 1 and 2 power plants, is retiring them early, the poor old obsolete deers. Fact is that they are among the most technologically advanced, least polluting coal-fired plants in the world. The reason for their retirement is so Excel can double bill us ratepayers. They'll still be charging us to depreciate the old plants and the new plants at the same time and making a profit from both. The old double dip. Who knew cronyism could look so environmental? And then John Caldera says, ask Tesla. So um, this is just astonishing what's going on there. Secondly, 
uh, I did want to let you know, I actually talked to a, um, a new freshman that's going to be attending CSU yesterday. And you know when we were talking about all the words that you can't use at CSU? That is part of the orientation. That is uh, what was going on in those meetings. And so when we're talking about the Colorado budget, and they always say we need more money for higher education, I say we need to start to take to to not give as much money to higher education because uh, I'm afraid that there is uh, some re-education, some indoctrination that we're paying for instead of the education of our kids. So on that, another thing, uh, MarketWatch.com said, be very careful. There's this new thing called FaceApp. And uh, if you uh, uh, subscribe to that, you are giving up more personal data than you realize, and it's a Russian-made app. It says people are making, uh, having fun making themselves look older with an app called FaceApp, but they might also be facing a host of cybersecurity concerns. FaceApp, a smartphone app that allows users to apply filters onto selfies they upload, <clears throat> have grown into popularity again thanks to a feature that allows users to make themselves look older. But cybersecurity experts have raised several red flags about the Face app. It's made from a wireless lab, a small company based in Russia, and according to its terms and conditions, your photos could be used in unexpected ways. You know, the other thing that I think could be a real concern is uh, when we're having more and more of this face recognition stuff, you've now just given your face to somebody who you don't really know. And I think that's a terrible app. I already know what I look like when I get older. So. <laughs> I don't need an app to show you don't me need that. An app to do that. <laughs> Touche on that, Rick Turnquist. <laughs> Let's assume that the cybersecurities are right on here. Uh, can you see the genius of the people who created this, knowing the vanity of America in terms of people just got to know what I'm going to look like? They're going after it, and I see it. I see people using it left and right, and I think, are you, are you? That clueless that you don't see the danger in this? Well, you know, young people are so used to technology that, you know, hey, it's something fun. It's something interesting. But, boy, there's a tremendous risk on that. Last headline I want to hit on is, and I was talking with Patty about this yesterday, and I hadn't thought about this, but she brought this up. You know, the um, attorney general here in Colorado, Phil Weiser, is backing Philadelphia in a lawsuit over supervised drug sites, even when the one here in Colorado failed. And she said, now think about it. The people of, of Colorado, of Denver, have said, we don't want those. And the idea that government would use government money to actually help people um, inject themselves and ultimately kill themselves, I, I, I just I can't believe it. You know, we are supposed to be helping to lift people up, not, not enabling them to yank them down. But Patty said, Kim, you know, they're, they're all government officials, bureaucrats, you know, these interested parties saying we need more money, we need more money, we need more money. But yet Phil Weiser somehow has found money in his budget to go and join a lawsuit in Philadelphia. I'm thinking maybe they don't need more money, uh, Rick Turnquist. I would think not. Uh, when um, when you look at uh, how the budget has grown over the years, uh, you know, the the uh, Office of the Attorney General uh, has his budget has uh, actually kind of not grown so much, but it's still too much money to, to okay. begin with. Okay. How much is it? What was his budget? Uh, in this in this uh, year's budget, it's uh, $272 million. Wait, the, not the Attorney General's the, office. The, law, the Department of Law. The state Here in Department Colorado? Of law. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think that, whoa. 
<laughs> well, as we dig into the numbers, that's not really that big of a number. Okay, there's, so. There's others that will shock you even more. Okay, well, we'll get to those in <laughs> segments three and four. We're going to go to break in just a minute. Before we do that, though, you wanted to mention something about Leadership Program in the Rockies. Yeah, I sure did. So you and I are both uh, graduates of uh, the Leadership Program in the Rockies, and uh, and we're actually going to be uh, going to an event today. It's a, an alumni event called uh, Refresh and Reconnect. I went to the first one a couple years ago in May, and, uh, you know, it was a lot of fun to, to see people from not only my class, but other classes and, and part of the larger LPR family. And, you know, this summer, LPR typically recruits for the next year's class in the summertime. And there's uh, some recruiting events going on this summer, July and August, that uh, I first was introduced to LPR at the August event uh, of that year. So I would encourage everybody to go to the uh, Leadership Program of the Rockies website, uh, Leadership Program. Org and uh, look up these events and and uh, you know plan to attend one. They're very interesting. You'll meet a lot of uh, alumni and and other people like yourself who are interested in in attending the program. And it's great. And just real quick, if I have time, I want to go through one of these one of the materials they give us is uh, you know you're always talking about force versus freedom, mm-hmm. and we actually get a set of flashcards uh, as part of our class materials. And and the force purpose of government is to solve all human problems and eliminate all forms of inequality. The freedom purpose of government is to protect the natural rights, the natural freedom, and the personal property of each citizen. And there's a principle on here that I could go over later if we have time, but uh, for now I know we need to go to break. So I just wanted to mention that and check them out, leadershipprogram.org, and uh, learn more. Okay, sounds great. We're going to go to break here in just a minute. We've got Rose Puglisi on the line to talk about the national popular vote. We're coming in on uh, those petitions being due. Before we do that, though, it is summertime, and Hooters is the spot to be this summer. Enjoy Hooters beach-worthy seafood items like amazing fish tacos, delicious snow crab legs, and mouth-watering buffalo shrimp. And the Hooters has plenty of ice-cold beer options to help you cool down these hot summer days. And uh, lunch, I love this Monday through Friday. They have nine items for nine bucks. You can choose from nine delicious menu items such as fish and shrimp tacos, salads, cheeseburger, Philly cheesesteak, and, of course, their boneless wings. So that's for dine-in. But if you want to stop by and take dinner home, you can pick it up, or you can actually have Hooters delivered right to your front door. More information, go to HootersColorado.com. That's HootersColorado.com. Let them know that you know the AmeriChicks. We'll be right back with Rose Puglisi. All AmeriChick sponsors are an exclusive partnership with the AmeriChicks and are not affiliated or in partnership with KLZ or Crawford Broadcasting. If you would like to support the work of the AmeriChicks with Kim Munson and grow your business, contact Kim at AmeriChicks.com. That's AmeriChicks.com. Social media is important to the AmeriChicks since it's an avenue we can utilize to hear from and speak to all of our friends. For those of you who enjoy listening to the show, we'd love to hear what's on your radar. Follow us and talk to us at AmeriChicks Twitter and Facebook pages. Also, if you're a business owner who could benefit from some extra foot traffic from like-minded friends, consider advertising on the AmeriChicks radio show. Contact us at AmeriChicks.com or email Kim at AmeriChicks.com. Ah, there you go. That's the 50th anniversary of the moon landing. Thank you to Charlie for that creative bumper music. This is Kim Munson with the AmeriChicks, where we 
Dissect issues as right versus wrong instead of right versus left. Agree or disagree. Let's have a conversation. Thrilled to have on the line with us. I should mention a guest in studio, Dude, Rick Turnquest. It's great to have you here. Thanks, Kim. Great to be here. And we've got on the line Rose Puglisi. She is a commissioner out in Mesa County. And she is also one of uh, her with um, uh, Don Wilson, who is the mayor of Monument, when uh, the legislature here in Colorado passed this national popular vote compact and the governor signed it. Rose Puglisi sprung into action. What did you do, Rose? Um, Well, Mayor Wilson and I filed a referendum to refer the question to the people on the 2020 ballot. We needed to collect... um, about 200,000 signatures, and um, we have over 185,000, and they're coming in strong. Okay, so you need over 200,000, you said? Yep, so we needed um, just under 125,000 to make the ballot, but we wanted to make sure we had enough of a buffer to make sure the people of Colorado have the right to vote on this. So your goal is 200, and you want to have that by the end of this month, right? Yes, so we have to turn petitions in August 1st. So we're asking everyone to get your petitions in. It doesn't matter how many signatures you have. Um, so we can validate those signatures and make sure we've got um, our goals. Okay. And you you're, you said you have 185,000 signatures right now? Yeah, we have over 185,000, and we get huge packets in um, from people every day. So that's amazing. So keep your packets coming. Wow. Rose, thanks so much for what you're doing. Um, this is Rick Turnquist. I was just curious how, if you are interested in getting a packet to have your friends and family sign, how would you go about doing that? So at this point, um, you know, we are really not giving out packets, new packets. There are some people that have packets out there, um, and we can try to connect you with some of those people. But um, really, at this point, we need everybody to turn their packets in so we can validate those signatures. And ColoradansVote.org uh, is uh, noting where people can go to sign that petition, correct? Um, we did have that on our website. I'm, I, I will have to take a look to see if we still have locations. Like I said, at this point, um, we are... You're just really wanting to get these petitions in then, huh? We just want them back, yeah. We just want to be able to validate those signatures so that we know we've made our goal. And, um, you know, obviously there's people that still want to sign, and we really appreciate that. So if there are petition packets out there, um, let's just finish those up and get them back in. Okay, great. And, Rose, uh, let's explain to people exactly what this question is that you're trying to get onto the ballot. Um, So basically what the legislation um, did was put Colorado's nine electoral college votes into a compact of states. So that basically states like New York and California could um, decide for Colorado um, who who gets our nine electoral college votes for president. And so, you know, those, the legislature had no right to give to take our votes away. The governor had no right to take our votes away. Those votes are personal. And so that's why we want to make sure that the people of Colorado have an opportunity to vote. Well, and you know, on the legal side, uh, I think, and I'm not an attorney, however, I sometimes I think I am, but it looks to me like it's <laughs> highly unconstitutional what they have done. And, you know, every elected official, um, when they are sworn into office, they swear that they'll uphold the Constitution. And uh, this is really a a big concern. 
But it's important our listeners understand that Electoral College was put in place so that less populated states would also have a voice in the election of our president. And um, and it's really brilliant what they've done. It's a little complicated, and because of our education system, uh, and I'm, I just have to make an editorial comment, just because of our educational system where CSU, uh, in, in their orientation for their new students, is telling them that they can't use uh, certain pronouns. They're not supposed to say America or American, uh, Mr., Ms., Mrs., Ms., uh, ladies and gentlemen. That's what uh, they're learning up at orientation at CSU this week. Uh, instead of learning about the Electoral College and why that is so important to the American idea. I just had to say that, Rick. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. It's pretty outrageous, isn't it? Is it is pretty outrageous. But a lot of people don't understand why the Electoral College was put in to the Constitution. But it's really brilliant, Rose, what the founders were thinking about. Um, what are you saying to people when they say, I don't totally understand the Electoral College? Um, you know, we definitely try to, to explain that. Um, you know, what's really interesting to me about the popular vote is that in Colorado, so every state can, can allocate their electoral college votes differently. And in Colorado, this is a winner-take-all state. So basically, whoever wins the popular vote in Colorado gets all nine of our electoral college votes. So for those people who say, well, we need the popular vote, I said, well, we have it in Colorado, and so we shouldn't be taking that away from the people of Colorado. Right, and giving our, our voice to these big population centers like Los Angeles and San Francisco and New York, and if you look at the management of those cities, uh, you know, some of the some parts of their cities look like third world countries. It's beyond me why we would want to give our voices to those population centers, Rose. Absolutely. You know, and people are trying to make this into a partisan issue. Um, but, you know, we've had Republicans circulating petitions. We've had Democrats circulating petitions. We've had unaffiliated. And I think that it's evident that, you know, um, the state of Nevada, their legislature passed the national popular vote, and their governor vetoed it, saying, this is bad for Nevada. We don't want to lose our voice. And he's a Democrat. So even Governor Hickenlooper came out um, saying the national popular vote is a bad idea for Colorado. So I think that it's really important that people understand this really is not a partisan issue. Um, but we want to make sure Colorado's votes stay in Colorado. That's for sure. And our voice stays, uh, that, that our voice is heard as well. Now, this is going to be, if uh, once this is all um, validated, it's going to be on the 2020 election, correct, in November? Yes, yes. Okay. And so at this point, what you really want people to do is to get those uh, those um, petitions in, get them. Uh, do they need to be notarized? Yes, they do. Okay. So get those notarized and get those in. Uh, you don't want to wait until the last minute because it takes time to get that validated, those validated. And so at this point, you guys just want to be ahead of the game. We are at, uh, what, July 19th. And so just a few, uh, few more days. So get those in. Rose, anything else that you'd like our listeners to... Um, to be aware of? Um, you know, this has been one of the largest grassroots movements for signature gathering in Colorado. And we just want to thank all of the volunteers. We've had over 2,200 volunteers. We just really want to thank them all for their efforts, uh, making sure they got signatures and really being engaged in this issue. 
Well, Rose Puglisi, hats off to you and to Don Wilson. Uh, when this whole thing came down, I mean, it not, hardly had happened, and you you both had sprung into action to do something about this. And the reason that we were you were able to do it, at least to my understanding, is that in the Colorado Constitution, legislation that is passed, actually we can ask the people if they do agree with that, unless there is a safety clause that's included in that legislation. And, uh, and of course, there was not a safety clause in this particular piece of legislation because they would have a hard time putting that in there. And so you guys were ready and you sprung into action. You both are, are real heroes. Oh, thank you, Kim. We really appreciate people like you who helped us get the message out. Well, thanks so much, Rose. Uh, keep us apprised of what's going on. And if there's anything else that we can do to help you, just let us know. Thank you so much, Kim. Have okay. Yeah, thank you so much. I tell you what, Rick, that is just, uh, it really gives you heart. It really, you know, I wanted to extend my personal thanks to Rose and, and Don as well, because when this legislation passed, it was just one of t- many terrible bills that were in the uh, General Assembly this last session. And I was I was enraged over the fact that they're talking, Democrats keep talking about, you know, voter, you know, suppression and, and, you know, voter disenfranchisement and stuff. But yet they passed a bill that does the very, that very thing. They disenfranchised every Colorado voter in terms of how we elect our national president. I know. And one more point. There's no such thing as a national popular vote. Each elections are administered separately in each of the 50 states under the rules of that own state. There's no national. There's, you know, people add up aggregates from each state. There's no official national popular vote. And I think that's important to keep in mind. Excellent point. I hadn't thought about that. That's why that's why we have you in here, Rick Turnquest. It's great to have you here. But uh, we've got Jason McBride on the line. Hey, Jason, I wanted to let you know I heard from a number of people that they thoroughly enjoyed your in-studio appearance yesterday. Oh, well, uh, my brother-in-law, you know, it only cost me like five bucks for each one of them to say that, so... A little goes a long way. Uh, a little goes a long way, Jason. It was great to have you in studio yesterday. And uh, But wanted to talk a bit about the market is at new highs. Uh, what do you think about that? Well, it has uh, gone to new highs. There's a couple of things that uh, I wish were a little better. One is the, the trading volume has been very, very low. Uh, now, that may not be an issue, Kim. A lot of times when uh, the market's trying to cleanly kind of emerge out of a sideways pattern, it's been in for a long time, it, it's going to face a little bit of hesitancy and a little bit of resistance. But I, I'd like to see uh, a little bit more enthusiasm in the buying at these higher levels. Uh, however, you know, it doesn't seem to be going down much either. Yesterday, It looked like it was going to kind of be a crummy day, and then it turned around and rallied back up. Uh, We had the same thing back uh, on on July 9th and 10th when it looked like we were going to be down, and then it did rallied up. So there's always a couple of little caution flags, but overall I, I think it looks like it wants to go higher from here. Okay. Okay, and you know, I was as you're talking about that. I was just thinking, you know, it's important that people probably take a, their temperature on their portfolio right now, and you guys can sit down with people and look at their nest eggs. If we are at you know these highs, some people may want to make some changes, and that is something that you specialize in: sitting down and talking with people about their personal economy. 
and uh, wanting to make sure that it's going to work for them now and into the future. And uh, so be sure and check that out. But one other thing I wanted to ask you, what uh, on this whole China trade news thing, what do you think about that? Well, that that's another interesting thing uh, that I've noticed over the last week or so, Kim, as you remember, uh, not too long ago, any time there was a mention of the tariffs or, oh, maybe the, the trade deal with China isn't going as well as we would have hoped, uh, we would see a huge drop in the market. Right. I mean, five, six hundred points, uh, huge volatility would come in. And, you know, there's, there's been some announcements the last uh, couple of weeks on China. In fact, I think yesterday, uh, Kim, uh, I mean, among us shooting down an, an Iranian drone, uh, I was either, I'm pretty sure it was yesterday or the day before Trump came out and said, you know, it looks like we're still a long ways away from any kind of a deal with China. Uh, we could still easily put on another $325 million worth of tariffs. And the markets said, yeah, whatever. I mean, they just yawned. I mean, so perhaps uh, the markets are getting used to the idea and we won't get the kind of uh, volatility or negativity in them that we've had in the past. I just thought that was quite interesting on a strong comment that like that, that the markets didn't seem to care much. That is absolutely fascinating. So you always have some great nuggets of information, Jason McBride. <laughs> well, I sure appreciate that, Kim. Okay. And I hope your listeners do, too. And hi to Rick as well. I always enjoy listening to him. Well, most definitely, it's great to have him in studio. Well, thanks, Jason. I always enjoy your uh, daily updates as well. Yeah, no, I was in there yesterday, Rick, so I hope you wiped everything down, <laughs> you know, before you came in. You know, it might be contagious. You never know. He was sniffling, Rick, but I think that we have, we have everything under control, Jason. So thank okay. you. Thank you so much. I, I appreciate that. If, if people want more information, and your podcasts normally come out on Fridays, and they're at chickspresidential.com. That's chickspresidential.com. Uh, thanks so much, and we will talk to you soon. Have a great show. Thanks so much. We're going to go to break. When we come back, Rick Turnquest is in studio, and we'll be talking about this this great uh, piece that you uh, have written for AmeriChicks. It's on AmeriChicks.com. We'll be talking about Tabor, the Taxpayer Bill of Rights, and you have really delved into some important information. My friends, you will not want to miss this. We'll be right back. Are you looking for news, not propaganda? Ready for a news source you can actually trust? How about a news site that doesn't want to sell you a subscription? Visit CompleteColorado.com to see all the latest news from around Colorado. Complete Colorado's staff scours news sources from around the state and nation to bring you only the top stories that affect you right here in our great state. Updated three times a day, CompleteColorado.com has full-time reporters doing original investigations and reporting like newspapers used to do, as well as opinion and political commentary from a variety of Colorado voices. And CompleteColorado.com is the only place to read columnist Mike Rosen. Always fresh content, always free, always informed. CompleteColorado.com, your complete source for Colorado news. You want to succeed, so you need to dress for the job, event, or relationship that you seek. For over 30 years, entrepreneur, stylist, and Americhick Kim Munson has been helping women look their very best. And guys, Kim can help you with made-to-measure shirts that fit great and you'll love to wear. Guys and gals, if you want to up your game and freshen your look, email Kim at Americhicks.com for your initial style consult. Kim at Americhicks.com.
You'd like to get in touch with one of Kim Munson's sponsors, but you can't recall their phone number. Find a full list of advertising partners on Americhicks.com. Welcome back to the Americhicks with Kim Munson, where we dissect issues as right versus wrong instead of right versus left, agree or disagree. Let's have a conversation, and we're going to have a great conversation with Rick Turnquest. He's in studio as my guest, Marindude. And, hey, Bob from Michigan, I just got a text from him. He says, hi, Rick. <laughs> hi, Bob. How are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> Love. I get these great text messages from, from Bob. I greatly appreciate it. And, Bob, you have a great day. You are treasured, valued, and a great friend, so appreciate that. Conversation about Tabor. You have written an excellent piece that's on Americhicks.com. You said you're going to be doing a a companion piece on your blog. Where can people find that? Yeah, my blog is called TooAdvanceFreedom.com, and uh, it's the words T-O, AdvanceFreedom.com. And uh, Kim, thanks so much for asking me to to take a look at Tabor and and talk about it in the the show this week. Um, You know, as I wrote this article and and dived into the uh, state budget, I I learned so much information that I felt the need to write a companion piece, which I'll be publishing on my blog next week. Okay. But, uh, you know, what I wrote and what we've published on AmeriChicks.com, uh, why Tabor matters, you know, Tabor is a, is a hugely controversial aspect of our Colorado State Constitution. And what, ta- what Tabor stands for is taxpayer, it's the taxpayer's uh, apostrophe S, Bill of Rights, um, known, you know, shorthand as Tabor. And it was passed on the 1992 ballot as Amendment 1, and it passed with 53% of the vote in that election. And basically all Tabor does is it it puts four constraints on government in place with regard to taxation. The first one is they have to ask us for uh, permission to increase our taxes or to impose new taxes. They have to uh, make that ask in a regularly scheduled election. They can't have special elections for that. It it stipulates the language that they have to use. And if you've noticed on your ballots over the years, any time they ask for a tax increase, uh, it's all in caps, which is so hard to read. I wish it was just a normal, mm-hmm. um, you know, written language. And then finally, um, they, they also have to ask the voters to uh, approve any kind of a debt issuance. If the state wants to issue bonds or revenue bonds or whatever, uh, that has to be approved by the voters as well because the voters ultimately have to repay that have money. To pay that, okay. And, so, and then the excess refund. And the excess right. revenue. Yeah, thank you for bringing that up. And and you know another stipulation is that Tabor puts in place a limit on how much money the government can collect through taxation. And if they collect more than that, they have to refund it to the taxpayers. And and over the years there have been you know several votes where the or ask us to keep it, mm-hmm. and that's completely reasonable. So for example, say there's a two hundred million dollar overage that may only amount to you know. 10 or 15 bucks per taxpayer. And, you know, it may not be significant to a person individually. And, but it's, you know, 200 million, you can do something Mm -hmm. with that in the state budget, but, and they want to keep that. And, you know, they're, they're all mad because they have to ask us to keep Mm -hmm. our money. But at the end of the day, we earned it. We created the value that, that produced, you know, we created the value that they took from us through force. Mm -hmm. And, uh, well, and just a note on that, you know, and typically, Politicians, bureaucrats, and interested parties uh, would say to people that are the voters, they'd say, hey, it's only, you know, two or three cups of coffee. You know, what is it to you? Just let us keep it. But you think about $200 million that would be infused back into the economy by hardworking, everyday people. That makes a difference. Yeah. And those cups of coffees go to the 
go to the businesses that that sell coffee. Oh, good or, point. And, and you get a cup of coffee instead of nothing. And you get a cup of coffee, right? <laughs> yeah. And and you know it. The principle is that you know it's our money. We earned it. You know, people always say, "Oh, it's free," or it's you know government money. Let's let's be very clear. All government money comes from the people that earned it, mm-hmm. and most of it comes to the government through force. You know, you, you can't opt out of paying taxes. And if I could, I'd opt out of paying taxes that go to CSU. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, with what they're indoctrinating <clears throat> kids up there at orientation. So the formula. <clears throat> The formula that defines the amount of tax revenues that governments are allowed to keep uh, basically uses uh, population growth and uh, the inflation rate as the limiting variables. And over the years since Tabor was enacted, there have been many, many votes to ask voters to ease the limits on Tabor or to allow tax increases. I remember when I worked for the city of Centennial back in the early 2000s, we went to the voters to ask for a sales tax increase, and they said yes. And that just shows that uh, you know people are willing to fund local prog- projects with accountability in their own communities. But on a statewide basis, the voters have been very consistently anti-tax over the years. And in the blog, I've I prepared a table of uh, several votes over the years since 1994, which shows the results of uh, several Tabor tax increase requests. And uh, with the exception of uh, Amendment 23 in, in the year 2000 and uh, the marijuana tax stuff back in uh, 2014, the voters have consistently said no to tax increase requests. Uh, you know, they asked to increase our sales and use taxes uh, several years ago. They asked to increase twice. They've asked to increase the personal income tax rates and also to create a what's so-called progressive income tax, where you tax higher earning people at higher rates of uh, at higher tax rates. And uh, the, of course, the uh, Amendment 69, the socialized health care, that one failed by almost 80 to 20. So even in this last election where Colorado voters, uh, in their wisdom, sent uh, majority Democrats to the state legislature, they still voted no on, on the tax increases that were on the ballot last year. So it's been very clear over the years that Coloradans don't want to pay more of their money in taxes. You know, just a quick note. It is a head scratcher to me, though, that, uh, that we did send overwhelmingly uh, people to the legislature and and the governorship who really do want to take more and more control and do want to raise taxes. So we send them all as uh, we elect them into office. But yet when asked whether or not we want to pay more in taxes, we say no. I mean, it's a, kind of schizophrenic. <laughs> it, it really is. And, and that, you know, the fact of the matter is that one of the reasons I think that they that so many Democrats won and why they have control is what I call the progressive advantage. And we talked about that a couple months ago. And you can read about that on my blog to advance freedom as well. So what are the benefits of Tabor? And, I, you know, I think the the clear benefit of Tabor is that it limits the growth of government and and. With that said, that's the intent of Tabor. However, as I've dug into the state budget numbers over the years since Tabor has passed, the state budget has still grown by about 300%, depending on how you measure it uh, in that's those years. Significant. And, and so I just can't even imagine what it would look like without Tabor. Because without Tabor, in years where we've had Democrat-controlled of the legislature, and I'm thinking back to 2013 and again uh, this last session, you know, there's there's no doubt that they would have imposed higher taxes on us to fund education, uh, to fund health care, to fund uh, 
a various other host of, of uh, you know, their agenda items. And we would have had no say in that. And, you know, California has a tiered income tax rate and the highest tax rate in California uh, for higher income earners or more, as I like to say, more productive people is 13%. And that's outrageous. And that's on top of their federal income tax. That's right. That's right. And that's why, uh, you know, and I don't know what it's like to be a multimillionaire. I don't know if they care about paying that much money in taxes, but I do know that some people move uh, away from California in order to evade that higher tax rate. I know James Hetfield Metallica bought a a place in Aspen and moved out of uh, the Bay Area just uh, to get away from the higher taxes. taxes. Yeah. And he's a hunter too. So, um, so, and uh, just a clarification they're they're not evading taxes. They're just moving away from, that's a great point, and I, I shouldn't have used the word evade because that's illegal. But, um, you know, there's a great book out there. It's called An Inquiry into the w- Nature and Causes of the Wealth of States, and it's written by Arthur Laffer and a few other people. And they take a look at state tax regimes, and they found that states with no income taxes do better than states that have income taxes economically. And he, they do an in-depth study of 11 states that adopted an income tax within the last uh, um, 20 30 years and, uh, you know, the economic results in those states and, and without, without exception, they're all doing more poorly than states that don't have income taxes. So I don't know if we're ever to be able to get away from an income tax in Colorado because fully two thirds of our general fund comes from income taxes, but it's a, it's an interesting book. I'm going to read it. I'm probably going to write a book review on it and, uh, and hopefully maybe we can discuss it on a future show, but, um, it's a, it's a very important topic. Colorado has a flat income tax rate of 4.63%, and everybody pays that regardless of whether they are, you know, I'm sure there's exceptions for lower income people, but uh, uh, but it's 4.63 and it's, it's flat. I think the reason that we want to talk about Tabor and why Proposition CC is on the ballot, because politicians and bureaucrats and interested parties of both parties – Yes. Republicans less so than Democrats, but I know I've heard some Republicans who who have railed against Tabor. But, you know, the the fact of the matter is they hate Tabor with a passion. And, and, you know, the regressive left in Colorado hates Tabor with a passion because it limits the growth of of government. And it means they can't impose new taxes on us without our permission. And there's other factors that come into play with Tabor that we should mention. One of them is the Gallagher Amendment, which was adopted in 1982, and it puts a cap on how much government can collect in property taxes. And, um, you know, I've, I think this is interesting because, you know, I know in Texas, where they don't have a state income tax, they also have really high property mm-hmm. taxes. So, uh, you know, here in Colorado, we've, we've uh, told the legislature, no, you can't have more money in property taxes. And, and that's probably one, one reason why there's an upward pressure on, on the income taxes. And then there's also um, Amendment 23, which was adopted in 2000, which requires the government to increase spending on uh, K through 12 education every year. And that, that places a definite upward pressure on, on the state budgets. Now, just a quick question on that, because we had Senator, our former state Senator Kevin Lundberg on earlier this week, and I'm, I'm researching this out, but he brought up something, and uh, Patty look, was looking up, uh, I'm trying to find the actual language of each of these, and Amendment 23 was only supposed to be for 10 years. And so he says it's not, it's not relevant uh, uh, now. And so look, let's let's check that out and let's maybe talk about that next uh, next time. OK, yeah, yeah. I, uh, 
I did not study Amendment 23 in detail. So that's uh, and the narrative that you are are giving us is the narrative that is being pushed out there. So let's do some more research on that, and uh, we'll get back with all of you on that one. So, but if, continue on. Uh, just wanted to uh, check on that. So in, the, in you know in, in my post, I you know when the the state treasurer um, has a clear anti-Tabor message on his website, his government, his official. I U- think you had that state in your piece, didn't yep. you? Yes. Yeah, I, I, I thought that was really significant because, you know, state positions are supposed to be nonpartisan, but this is very, very clearly an anti-Tabor uh, screed on, on the official state website. You know what? Let's hold that thought. Let's go to break because you've got to hear this. It's uh, astounding that this is on an official government website here. So we have Rick Turnquist in studio as our guest, Ameridude. We're talking about Tabor and his very important uh, piece that we have at Americhicks.com. And again, your blog is where? To AdvanceFreedom.com. Okay. We're going to go to break. We'll be right back. Award-winning realtor Karen Levine has 30 years of experience with REMAX Alliance. As a director with the National Association of Realtors, Karen Levine works to protect your private property rights. Karen Levine believes in home ownership. Since losing her mother to breast cancer, Karen Levine has helped to organize a local fundraising event called Karen's for the Cure, raising money for breast cancer research. Choose Karen Levine to buy or sell your home because she understands that it's more than just a house. Karen Levine comes highly recommended by the Americhicks with Kim Munson. So call award-winning realtor Karen Levine with REMAX Alliance today at 303-877-7516. That's 303-877-7516. Come join the 88 Drive-In for all your favorite blockbuster movies. We're open seven days a week. Admission is only $9 per person and children under 12 are free. Friday, July 19th through Thursday, July 25th, features will include The Lion King, Toy Story 4, and Spider-Man Far From Home. And remember our popular Monday through Thursday pizza special. Get one 12-inch pizza served fresh and hot from our oven and two tall, cool 16-ounce sodas, all for only 12 bucks. Plus, now you can top it all off with our new sweet, crunchy churros and a steaming cup of hot chocolate. For more information, go to our Facebook page or visit our website at 88drivein.net. You get more out of life when you go out to a movie. Oh my gosh, that Charlie and his bumper music. I just love it. He is so creative. That's awesome. Yeah, welcome. That is in in celebration of the 50th anniversary of the moon landing. So welcome back to the the Americhicks with Kim Munson, where we dissect issues as right versus wrong. Instead of right versus left, agree or disagree, let's have a conversation. Thrilled to be having a conversation with Rick Turnquist. And Katie just texted me. She said, loving your show today. Rick Turnquist has great insight. Well, thank you, Katie. Okay, so uh, let's jump in here. It always goes way too quickly. So before we went to break, you were going to let us know what is on our state treasurer's website. Yeah, so uh, state treasurer Dave Young clearly is uh, not a Tabor fan. Uh, He describes Tabor as follows. Colorado's Tabor Amendment restricts revenues for all levels of government, state, local, and schools, which is true. Under Tabor, state and local governments cannot raise rates without voter approval and cannot spend revenues collected under existing tax rates if revenues grow faster than the rate of inflation and population growth without voter approval. This is also true. Under Tabor, the state has returned more than $2 billion in tax 
$2 billion to taxpayers rather than using those funds to pay for K-12 education, higher education, transportation, public health services, public safety, and other services. In 2005, Colorado voters approved Referendum C, which suspended the revenue limit in ta- on Tabor from 2006 to 2010 and modified it for future years. However, as I look at it, my, you know, this to me has an anti-Tabor slant. And, and the fact of the matter is, yeah, they've, re- they've refunded more than $2 billion to us over the years. That's great because that's what Tabor's designed to do. And yet in spite of that, growth of the budget in all of those areas he mentioned has been huge. And and so... Do you have any numbers that you can put your fingers on or on that or not? Well, I actually do. So I've actually prepared a, uh, a table which uh, compares appropriations by department between uh, fiscal year 93, 94 to the current year, fiscal year, which is 19 to 20. And let's see what he mentions in his... You want me to give yeah. them to you? Let's see. He said, uh, here we go. K-12 uh, education. Yep. So K-12 education um, has grown by... Almost 300% in the last 27 years from five or 1.6 billion in uh, 93, 94 to 6 billion in uh, 1920. Uh, what was the next one? Okay. Um, you mean 2020? Uh, yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. okay. The next one was uh, higher education. Higher so higher ed has grown by uh, 220%. Okay. Uh, from 1.5 billion in 93, 94 to 4.9 billion in. 2019 to 20. Okay. Transportation. Now that's one that they, they don't typically give as much money to. So, yeah. And this is, this is something that I found really sad, actually. You know, Colorado's population has grown by 75%, roughly, depending on what numbers you use, um, in the years since Tabor was passed. But our, our transportation funding has remained really constant, um, as a percentage of the budget. And I, I really found this interesting when I was looking at the numbers because uh, the average transportation appropriations over the years since uh, Tabor was passed has been about 6.7% of the budget. And uh, it just stays right about the same. And so in, uh, let's see here, transportation. So in Fiscal year ninety three ninety four it was half a billion dollars. This this year it's uh, two point one billion dollars. It's still only six six point five percent of the of the total budget, and uh, the growth of that is has been about three hundred percent, matching the rest of the budget. But they still consistently underfund transportation. And and you know I know you have your your hardcore libertarians out there who don't see transportation as a legitimate function of government, but I think most other people would agree that it, it, it is a function of government to build these roads and bridges mm-hmm. and 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 argue you know, leaving aside the argument whether it's propri- of the propriety of transportation as a function of government, the fact remains that it's a very underfunded function of government. Well and the other thing when you're talking about transportation, most people think about roads and bridges. And we have seventy five percent more people on our, our roads and bridges and people like the the convenience and the safety of their personal vehicles. But in those transportation numbers, they've been using a lot of this money for light rail and for buses and uh, bike lanes and things like that. Oh, that's very true. And, you know, when when they talk about transportation, you know, of course, you and I think of roads and bridges. But what planners think of is is ways of get getting us out of our cars. <laughs> and, you know, I, I ride light rail most days to go to my work, to go to my job. And, and uh, if you had to pay the real cost, though, 
which would be about five times that amount, would you do it? Probably not. Yeah. Probably not. But the fact of the matter is, um, you know, I don't know of very many state legislators who take public transportation to the Capitol. They drive their cars, which burn fossil fuels, most of them, and park in saved parking spots at the Capitol, and yet they're telling the rest of us to get out of our cars and use public transportation. So what, what, they're, what they're saying, what they're doing are two different things. Uh, quickly, public, uh, public health, how much has that gone up? Oh, gosh, public health. And, and what is that number? By... So I'm going to take, there's several categories of public health, and I'm going to kind of just take the the way I've aggregated them between the two years because they have different line items for the two years. So in the 93-94 budget, health care, public health, and human services was a total of $483.5 million. In this last year's budget, it's grown to $11.7 billion. That's a 2,321% increase and a growth of $11 billion. So when you talk about where is our state money going, the largest chunk of our state budget goes to health care policy and financing, which is uh, Medicaid. It's, it's other programs that, uh, that are health care related that are uh, offered by the government to the citizens. And, and you know, you have to really, you know, we voted down Amendment 69 by 79 to 21% in the election of 2016, yet our state government still is paying $11 billion or a third of our budget uh, in healthcare-related uh, expenses. And I want to dig into those a little bit more. Okay, yeah, so we'll have to talk about that next month when you're back. Um, we can see the importance uh, of this. And because of this, Natalie Minton is sponsoring, through Colorado Engaged, the Taxpayers' Bill of Rights Boot Camp Training. It's August 3rd at the Lakewood Library. That's at uh, 10, 10200 West 20th Avenue. It's going to be from 11 to 2 p.m., a 1030 check-in. And Natalie is asking people to contribute $20 each to cover the costs. That includes a booklet, refreshments, and a T-shirt. You can get more information and sign up for the training at Colorado Engaged com Colorado engaged.com when we get when we get frustrated saying what can we do one of the things we need to do is to make sure that we don't turn more the spigot on even more to give these folks more money so with that uh, proposition CC so there's going to be a ballot uh, uh, initiative on the ballot called proposition CC and it's designed to cripple Tabor and uh, this last session, the uh, the General Assembly passed a bill, which was House Bill 19-1257, which was sponsored by Speaker of the House uh, Casey Becker, Representative Julie McCluskey, Senator Lois Court, and uh, nominally Republican Senator Kevin Priola. He's the only Republican who voted in favor of the bill, and he's the one who – and, you know – Supporters say it's a bipartisan bill, but I don't think that the inclusion of one rogue Republican really makes it a bipartisan thing. And what CC does is basically says the government, state government, can keep all excess revenues into perpetuity, meaning no more Tabor refunds ever. And those funds are supposed to be uh, designated for public and higher education, which has already grown by a tremendous amount, as well as transportation infrastructure funding, which, as we've just discussed, has typically been neglected. Um, 
as far as education goes, you know, it's really hard to know how much of society's resources should be allocated to public schools and higher education. But one thing is for sure, there never seems to be enough money for either. And I would question the investment we in education with the results that we get. And I know there's a lot of people more knowledgeable about that than I am that uh, they would probably say that the return is not that great on the investment. So why, why would we be why would we be spending more money on on all that? You know, on that note, I do think that people would really like to get to a point where we are getting more money into the classroom and paying our good teachers more. That's right. And, and uh, you know, there's a website everybody should look at called Vote No on CC, which talks about that. And one of the talking points against it is the fact that um, the government state government refuses to prioritize Colorado's needs. And although our state budget has been growing by a billion dollars every year, uh, despite a 20% increase in education spending since 1990, teacher pay is down 20%. So giving more money to the government without stipulating, you know, more strictly how it's spent, I don't think is a good idea. And that's another one of the great beauties of Tabor is you just have to ask us. You have to make the case. And uh, But politicians, bureaucrats, and interested parties are, they, they don't want to ask us. And so you're seeing Proposition CC, which is trying to take the teeth <clears throat> out of Tabor. And then I think there's going to be a full outright assault on it in the 2020 election. I believe so, too. And, and I, I, I actually welcome that conversation because um, given the votes of the voters over the years against tax increases, I believe that if Tabor repeal was on the ballot, it would fail by a significant margin. Okay, well, we're going to keep working on it. Rick Turnquist, thanks so much for being in studio. Well, thank you, Kim. It's always a pleasure. And again, your blog? Uh, Toadvancefreedom.com. And uh, check out your publication at americhicks.com on Tabor. It's an excellent piece. And our quote for today is from Tiger Woods. He says, the greatest thing about tomorrow is, I will be better than I am today. There is no such thing as a setback. The lessons I learned today, I will apply tomorrow and I will be better. So today, read great books, think good thoughts, listen to beautiful music, communicate and listen well, live honestly and authentically, strive for high ideals and like Superman, stand for truth, justice in the American way. This is Kim Munson signing off. God bless you and God bless America.